The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there, making us sound good today, celebrating his 38th birthday today. Dale, it's Pitbull. Sure. Sure. It never ceases to amaze me. Mm-hmm. Before we go live, mm-hmm. moments before this show flips from the end of the intro credits to mm-hmm. Greg saying, yes, yes, y'all, mm-hmm. I go, mics are open, mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm. in the business, shut the F up. Don't say anything until your cue. Mm-hmm. 50% of the time after I say mics are open, one of you jackasses moves a microphone, or clears his throat. And I just, you know, <laughs> what are we doing here? We've been 690 freaking times. What are we doing here? By the way, 10 from 700. Uh, and sitting to my right, <laughs> for a weird rant from our producer. <laughs> um, sitting to my right, the Big Macs to my White House dinner, our West African prince, Ishmael Johnson. Uh, back-to-back burger intros for you. Yeah. That's got, got, weird, right? It's it's weird. We don't have to get into the politics of everything. But that's weird, right? Like there were gravy boats that were theoretically given to the American presidency yeah. by foreign leaders that were full of uh, honey mustard Not even packets. Like, yeah, yeah, honey mustard. Yeah, yeah. It was tartar sauce and like... From McDonald's. That's the other thing. That was the worst meal Clemson those players have had this year. Oh man, that really. That's okay, a Clemson so football here's team. the thing, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not Mister. I don't hate fast food. There are definitely people who are like fast food's disgusting. Right. Like they don't like fast food. Right. I'm not that way. They, they have a vehement stance against yeah, it. Yeah, I don't mind fast food. Fast yeah. food every once in a while is fine. Yeah, Max, I know you're not a huge fast food guy, but fast food every once in a while is fine. I think we can all agree though. That fast food bought in bulk and then definitely sitting out for hours <laughs> is disgusting. Yeah, there's yeah. no way those fries. The were The only hot. thing that makes oh, it no. good is makes it. It has to be hot. It has to be. Fresh. Has to be. Right. Has to be hot. Yeah. That that I understand if you don't like f- fast food, but I think we can all agree that really hot, fresh McDonald's fries, pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Yeah, I you saw a tweet. I forgot who tweeted it, but uh, the smart. They said the smart players went for the fries first. Oh, yeah. They went back for the burgers. It was like, those are probably cold already. You got to yeah. get the fries to make sure that you grasp the last bit of like heat. heat. Yeah. yeah. So freshness. <laughs> so, yeah. Weird comment from Miziel to we start this show, by the way. Right yeah. Miziel says, you look, Tepper looks 100% more Texan with the facial hair. Now, wrap your head around that. I am, I think, offended. 
I think I, I want to be offended. <laughs> I don't know if you should be offended. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means either. But that's that's you why what, he's here. You know here. what it means. He's to be provocative. So what you're saying? What you're saying? No one knows what it means. It's just provocative. <laughs> what you're saying is that. My nose, my nose, is my that nose, is that the more the lazier I am, the, the more, more Texan I am. <laughs> Because that's the only reason this is here. Is yeah. that I just don't want to take five minutes and shave. Right. I'm just, I'm just not. I don't, I'm not in a good place right now with that. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, weird. Yeah. Weird. Today is Tuesday, January fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Three hundred seventeen days until the best day of the year. Episode six ninety six ninety. Cap Peterson's pl- uh, played appearances in his illustrious Washington Senators career. Two hundred sixteen games from nineteen sixty seven to nineteen sixty eight. On today's show, we are going to continue our series of college football postmortems. It's time to talk some UTSA Roadrunner football and a um, a team that was honestly worse than their record indicated. <laughs> We will get into what Congrats all that on means. that honor. And then back half of the show, yeah, stay tuned. Um, <laughs> and then back half of the show, we're going to be joined by Matt Stepp, DCTF High School Football Insider, uh, about the latest in the coaching flurry, including uh, DeSoto has a new coach, Corsicana has a new coach, uh, and what jobs he is keeping an eye on over the course of the next couple of days. We will get into that with Matt Stepp, who will join us here in the back half of the show. Let's start the show, though, with our UTSA postmortem. And we're going to talk about the Roadrunners who finished the year 3-9. and nine. Um, it, a, An objectively bad year mm-hmm. for UTSA. Let's start, with, uh, let's start with what went right. Okay. What went right? Um, overall, not much, but there were two small bright spots for UTSA this year. One... Their rushing defense was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Their rushing defense was actually not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, 61st in rushing S&P Plus. Um, they, were, uh, they, they, they were pretty good overall in that front seven at stopping the run. That, that was pretty good. And, and as a result, their, their front seven was not bad. Their sack rate was fair. Right. It was 64th in the nation. It was not bad. They were, they were fine. And in fact, they were very good defensively on like third and short. Mm-hmm. Anything that has to do where you can simply rely on your front seven, they were actually okay at. Not great, but they were okay at. That and was con- the thing. And considering what they lost in Marcus Davenport, yes. not falling off tremendously because they were, I mean, what, they were arguably top 20 last mm-hmm. year in overall defense if you really look at the advanced stats. Um, take Marcus Davenport away, a first-round draft pick in the NFL – and you only fall off slightly? Slightly. You know, you're going to. It's Marcus Davenport. But you still hold on relatively. You remain top half of the country and very respectable uh, when it comes to when you kind of scale it down to a group of five and all that. Yeah, stuff. It's, it's very clear that if you look at the numbers, they were the, the, the front seven was easily their, the strength of this team. I sure. mean, they were, they were eighth in the nation in goal line defense. Like, they <laughs> were really good uh, when it mattered most, when they could simply pin their ears back and rely on that front seven. Right. They were really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also a pretty good special teams team. Um, they were actually 22nd in special teams, um, uh, S&P Plus. A lot of that had to do, they had a great kicker in Jared Sackett, who uh, uh, was, was very solid for them. Uh, they had a very good punter in, in Giannis Rostis, and their return game was pretty solid. Um, their return game was, was pretty solid. It was pretty reliable. So, overall, those were the bright spots for UTSA. That's what went right. So, now let's talk about what went wrong. Uh, well, it's two things. Um, Just if you, two? If you Just want two, well, it's two. It can be summed up in two things. Okay. Okay. First, the whole offense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
the offense was miserable. Yeah. 129th out of 130 in offensive S&P+. This, this offense was really bad, and it's not just that they were really bad at one thing. They were really bad at everything. Yep. They were really bad at running the ball. They Which is kind of a surprise heading into yeah. the year. We thought they'd be able to have an effective running game at the very least. They were really bad at running the ball. They were extremely bad passing the ball. Very, very bad passing the ball. They could not protect whoever was back there. Right. Uh, a lot of this comes back to the fact the offensive line was not very good. But I also think that they did not have that bell cow running back. You know, right. they, they kind of bounced between B.J. Daniels and, and Jalen Rhodes, and neither one of them could operate back there. Um, you know, you could make an argument that the most effective running back they had was the freshman, Brendan Brady. Mm-hmm. They bounced between three different quarterbacks, Cordell Grundy, Bryce Rivers, and D.J. Gillens, and none of them did particularly well. Um, the offense was a mess. It was a it was just it was one of the worst offenses in the nation, plain and simple. And I don't know I don't know if it was injury or something, but it was definitely probably the most. Uh, Jalen Rhodes absolutely his production fell off a cliff. Yes, like it was uh, mm-hmm. most of it has to do with the offensive line. They couldn't yes. open any holes, but he was a guy who we were looking at as potentially one of the best running backs in the state heading into the year a little bit, uh, especially at the group of five level mm-hmm. as far as uh, uh, in state schools go. And nothing materialized. Absolutely yeah. nothing happened. B.J. Daniels, we thought, could have a breakout season for them. Didn't happen. Um, and, yeah, honestly, it it shows how much of a load Dalton Sturm at quarterback mm-hmm. was, was filling because yeah. who, he was not, the, who was not amazing, he was, he by He wasn't the spectacular, way. but he could make things happen. Yeah. He, he could hide a lot of the holes on offense, and he opened things up for the running backs because the defenses had to respect that he could make something happen and get the ball out downfield and stretch the field a little bit. Every number that has to do with the offensive line is bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, their stuff rate offensively was 113th. Uh, their, um, their, their, what, the, what they refer to as line yards. Mm-hmm. The idea that if a guy breaks off a 70-yard touchdown run, well, the offensive line is not responsible for all 70 of those. Right. They're responsible for about the first five, mm-hmm. is the idea. Uh, they were 116th uh, in the nation in in line yards, um, they were they were bad. They were it was a, a, the sack rate was 111th in the nation. It was bad, 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 bad. And by the way, now to kind of put a bow on on this real turd sandwich of an offense, <laughs> um, they were they were terrible at finishing drives too. Mm-hmm. Terrible, literally last in the nation at points per scoring opportunity. They were 130th. That means every time they had an opportunity to score, they averaged 3.08 points per scoring opportunity, which means they were almost always getting a field goal. Right. They could not finish drives. There's that. If it sounds like we're crapping on them, it's because we are. I mean, The other side of it, I said there were two things. One was the whole offense. The other part, the secondary was real bad. Real, real bad. And the offense, and and their, like, they... The numbers are, are really not good. They were 124th in the nation in passing S&P Plus defensively. Um, they gave up a lot of big plays offensively uh, through the air. And and it's the kind of thing, and they, by the way, they, they gave up uh, a completion percentage of 65.4%. That's 125th in the nation. <laughs> and you can't necessarily blame, normally you'd say, oh, well, it's all part and parcel, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that means they're not getting pressure. I mean, the sack rate was, was good, as it's we fine. mentioned. Yeah. It was fine. The secondary simply was not very good. And, and there was a big reason why they struggled this year. Um, and in, in fact, when you are <laughs> when you are fifth in the nation defensively in third and short, mm-hmm. and you are 112th in the nation in third and long, that's not good. Yeah, that's very bad. And so the secondary really let them down as well. In their three wins, 
they didn't in all of the three wins they didn't average let me see they didn't average more than 3.6 yards a carry right uh None of their quarterbacks threw for over. Okay, Cordell Grundy threw for 187. Right against UTEP, that was that was the highest. And I dare you to go look at those offensive numbers when they played Rice. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, 43 yards passing. So, so here's yards rushing. and it here's the thing when we when, that one out. when I said off the top that yeah. this was a team that went three and nine and honestly wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. They probably should not have beaten Texas State. They shouldn't have beaten Texas State. I think they. Pro- I they, think they're probably better than UTEP, although it's close. They're they're. Be- I think they're better than UTEP and Rice. Yes. Because uh, keep in mind they played abysmal against Rice and still won twenty to three. Right. Right. Um, UTEP. I think they're better than them. I don't know where that North Texas score came from. Remember, North Texas was kind of on an yeah. interesting trajectory towards the end of the year. But in the end, they went three and one against the group of five in-state programs. I guess I guess that's what that, you got to do. That's a check mark. Yeah. But again, if you're looking for a positive, but again, yeah. I just look at this and I'm like, I don't think that de- like they just weren't very good. Sure, sure. So if you're looking for an offensive MVP, I mean, it's tough. It's probably Greg Campbell Jr., the receiver. He was their leading receiver, uh, 58 catches, 658 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he was probably their most reliable weapon um, because they could not find any sort of ground game, you know, consistently. That's a big, big problem for them. Uh, and by the way, he's a senior, so mm-hmm. that is going to be probably the other thing that's that's very di- disappointing for him um, is is when you're talking about a guy 58 catches. Mm-hmm. That's great, but he had all, I mean he was targeted 94 times. Mm-hmm. That's a, a 61% catch rate is not great. You want that, with your number one, you want that up near the 70. Sure. So that's sure. not very good. Um, which also goes back, I think, to, to the quarterback. But in any case, Greg Cramble Jr. is probably the Which, by the way, Bryce Rivers transferring. Yes. Not great. <laughs> um, defensive MVP is probably a little bit a little bit tougher because mm-hmm. I think that there's a couple of guys you can lean towards. But if we're going to talk about the front seven, you got to talk about Josiah Taufa. Yep. Uh, he led the team in tackles, led the team in tackles for loss, led the team in sacks, led the team in run stuffs, led the team in forced fumbles. Um, he was probably their most reliable defender. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we can, the, he was nicked up a little bit um, here and there. It was, it was very clear at times if you watched UTSA that he was playing hurt. Um, but he was probably their most reliable player. And they get him back. He didn't declare for the draft, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he, he did? did? Yeah. Oh, he crap! <laughs> so, well, yeah, that's going to be okay. fun. Well, just well, good for him. I yeah, mean, right, hey, right. go chase that money, playboy. I'm right. happy for you. Uh, I, you know, I selfishly wanted to watch you as a senior, but um, Josiah Talifo was probably their best player overall, mm. um, probably for the last three years, I would say. And so now he's he's gone, but but he was probably their defensive MVP. So then uh, you you take a look ahead to 2019. Um, obviously, you have some holes to fill defensively. Mm-hmm. And and but if you can, I feel like in Conference USA the way the Conference USA is built, if you can do what you did defensively this year, mm-hmm. which is be about average fine in, in the country, yeah, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Uh, I don't com- see anyone taking a big leap next no. year in, in CUSA. That's the thing. Yeah, obviously the offense needs work, right? And obviously they've got to find something that they can do offensively. Um, they got to find they got to get better up up front. They got to find a quarterback and commit to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they will have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Al Borges is Al Borges staying on? He, uh, he's on like, the staff. He's going to stay as like a, like an analyst or something. Yeah, he's like on the it. staff page. It might just be one of the scenarios where he's just too expensive to fire. But <laughs> Jeff Castle, um, there uh, is going to be the new Castle K A S Castle. I believe Castle. Castle uh, is their new offensive coordinator. And Max, I know you were down there with our former um, our former colleague David Ubbin. Yeah. When you guys had a sit down conversation with Frank Wilson, and Frank yeah. Wilson like. 
like identified this guy. Yeah, he's the future. As as yeah. the, the guy who's going to be sure. their their yeah, their long term. He wanted guy. to make sure that we knew that they were working to to build things around him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he yeah. is their he is their guy's the, the longest tenured assistant. Um, he was he was the first guy that Wilson hired when mm-hmm. he was hired in yeah. 2016. So um, he was a passing game coordinator prior to 2018. He's going to be their new offensive coordinator. You hope that gives him a jump start. Um, it can't get a whole lot worse. Obviously, this was oh, this was bu- it, could, it could. This was it they're could, not though. they're not the they're not last. It, <laughs> they're not last. They're not last. <laughs> it could get worse. And as our good friend Jacob John pointed out, he says, "I'm going to say it now." Incarnate Word has a shot to pull the upset in the opener versus UTSA. Could be fifty-fifty in that dome. No, look, I, no, look. I think you're right. I think, I think honestly, honestly, what, what day is that game? I'm not. Uh, I'm not willing to say. That. I don't have their schedule up. But, but if it, but I mean, if that. If that turns, yeah. If if Incarnate Word wins that game, y'all, right? August thirty first is the opener. Right. It's the opener at the Alamo Dome. I will say this: if you're in San Antonio, get to that game. That's gonna be a fun game. And and you're right. You want to talk about a like? I, I think that people. I I'm I'm glad that Frank Wilson's getting another year because I think he's he deserves that. Um. That said, It'll be a short leash. It's a short leash, and I think he understands that he's on the hot seat and that he's got to perform. And if you go out there and you drop the opener to Incarnate Word, that seat uh, gets gets cast into a lake of fire. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to watch. UCSA is a fascinating program. Um, this is the first time I think they've had a really truly disappointing year, mm-hmm. and so under I w- yeah under Wilson, and so I want to see how they react to that. So overall, I think a forgettable year for two th- in 2018 for UTSA. We wait to see what they look like in 2019. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That is our subscription pack. You get two magazines, a 2018 recruiting edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, profiling more than 400 prospects around the state from the class of 2019 to the class of 2022. We'll put that in the mail for you today if you subscribe today. Drop that in the mail for you. You also get a pre-order 2019 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We are officially starting the process of thinking about working on doing some stuff on the magazine. Uh, it is a. It will start really in earnest. The questionnaire for, for coaches will go out February 15th. I always tell people that March 15th is when it becomes magazine season, and April 15th is when I forget I have a social life. And, and then we go to press on June 1. If you want to be, get, be the first on your block to get the 2019 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, you got to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Subscribers got a year early last year. Oh, a year early. Good Lord. Oh. A week early. Sorry. <laughs> I, have a, I have a six-week-old at home. Um, a week early last year. So you get that. You also get a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com, including computer projections of every Texas high school ball game, computer rankings of every Texas high school football team, uh, insider podcasts, all sorts of good stuff, Texas Football Today extras, recruiting analysis from our friends at Next Level Athlete, all that, everything I just listed for the low, low price of nineteen ninety five for an entire year. Nineteen ninety five for an entire year. Makes a great gift as well. It's TexasFootball.com slash insider to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Max, let's go to the hotline and bring in the preeminent newsbreaker uh, in Texas high school football uh, around the state. We're joined by Dave Campbell's Texas football high school football insider, Matt Stepp. Matthew, it is good to have you on. Uh, have you? Uh, it's been a wild couple of days in the in the coaching uh, carousel. Have you come up for air yet? 
Absolutely. His, of course. His, and his uh, I, uh, you know, I I think you're overstating my importance just a little bit, though. Oh, I don't know if I'm the preeminent newsbreaker. I just try to try to get a little a little story here and there when I can, you know. Yeah, Matt Step always humble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, humble brag. Humble, humble brag. brag. Well, yeah, humble brag. So let's get into kind of the big news from last night. Uh, the DeSoto Eagles have their third coach in three years. Um, and it's the guy who was, if you were to extend it, they have their fourth coach in five years, I believe. It's that first guy. Uh, they're going back to Claude Mathis. Claude Mathis is leaving Marshall to come back to DeSoto. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this all came down? And, and I understand that there was, uh, it, it was not exactly a, a unanimous decision uh, there in DeSoto. Yeah, I mean... Let's be honest. You know, Coach Mathis, he's he's kind of been a a fifty fifty guy in Desoto for a while since his departure. You know, there there's a you know about half the community absolutely loves him, and then there's another half the community that that hasn't really isn't really big fans of him. That's just kind of the way it's been. Um, you can't deny the success that he had at Desoto. I mean, seventy four and eighteen in, in seven years is. Pretty pretty salty stuff, uh, but for whatever reason, you know that, that he's kind of a split down the middle guy, and, and the school board vote in a lot of ways reflected that with the four to one vote with two abstaining. Um, this has been talked about for a while on Desoto. His name every time Desoto opens up, his name has been rumored and mentioned uh, for the job, and, and so I think this is one of those things where it was going to happen eventually, and so let's just. Let's just go ahead and make it happen and, and see where it goes from there. Um, I think and ultimately what this is going to do is end the, the Claude Mathis speculation for the next guy because if they if, if DeSoto went in another direction and hired another guy, then he's still going to have that specter of, of Mathis and his personality still kind of hanging over um, him at DeSoto, and, and it was going to kind of hang over it until they hired him. So I think now DeSoto is going to be able to, to, to move forward with the, with the coach and hopefully if if it doesn't work out the next guy won't have to deal with kind of the specter of Claude Mathis. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to go. I don't think there's any middle ground this hire. I think this hire is going to be either a complete home run for Desoto or or it's going to end not great. I think it's going to be one. I don't think there's going to be any middle middle ground here. Uh, he he's a bit of a lightning rod there in in, in south in south of Dallas, but uh, but he is back. Uh, where it started, Claude Mathis uh, hired again at DeSoto. But, of course, there's a there's a counterstep to that, which is, um, yes, Claude Mathis is, is going to be the new coach at DeSoto, but that opens up Marshall, uh, which uh, is, is an intriguing job out east. Do you anticipate there to be uh, a, a fair amount of, of interest in this job out there uh, with the Mavericks? If it opens up, absolutely. I think uh, Marshall's got a lot of things going for them. They were 10-3 and three last year. They've got a lot returning, um, and uh, I talk about this this in my uh, weekly column, uh, which will be out tomorrow on TexasFootball.com, uh, this week in Texas High School Football, which is uh, my baby every week during the offseason, but uh, Marshall's going to move fast on this deal. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna try to have a guy in place, I, I would say, in the next two to three weeks. This is not – if it does get posted, it is only going to get posted for 10 days, and, and they're going to move fast. Um, there are some questions as far as if it's going to get ex- actually posted externally because they've got two qualified coordinators on staff right now, and, and there's there's something to be said about with the, the amount of experience they have coming back next year, coming off of a ten and three season, to keep uh, as much continuity as possible, which which would be hiring from within. 
The issue is I think if both coordinators go after the job, um, I think the one who doesn't get it is probably going to going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be kind of uh, uh, there's going to be some staff upheaval for sure. But I think the big question is, does does Marshall look to the outside? Because I've talked to some coaches off the record, including a couple who have state championships. And there's interest in the Marshall job if it actually gets posted. So I don't think the Mavericks are going to have any shortage of a quality candidates either way. We're talking with Matt Stepp, Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. So let's go even further south from DeSoto. Let's go to Navarro County and talk uh, about Corsicana, who has a new head coach. Uh, Hal Wasson uh, is going to be the new head coach uh, of uh, the Tigers down there uh, in Corsicana. Hal Wasson, of course, uh, and there was all of that drama last offseason uh, that led to his departure from Southlake Carroll. He takes a, a year to, to be the uh, executive director, I believe, or in charge of athletics at Irving ISD, now back in the coaching game uh, at Corsicana. Do you have any insight as far as how this came about, or was it pretty much an inevitability that Hal Wasson was going to get back on the sideline? I, I think uh, it was pretty inevitable Coach Wasson was going to be back on the sideline. I mean, obviously – Regardless of what what side of the fence you're on, as far as his departure from South Lake Carroll, um, you, you, I, I didn't have any doubts that he left a little with, with something still on the table, so to speak. And I think he really wanted to, he didn't want his coaching career to end uh, like that. So I, I don't think there's any doubt he was going to try to coach again. And I think the stars just kind of aligned with the course of Canada deal. Um, he's got a connection to the superintendent there. I think she worked in Carroll ISD for a while. And Watson has extensive ties to Navarro County. He's, he's a native of Kearns. His first coaching, one of his first coaching jobs was, was an assistant in Corsicana. He was the head coach at Kearns, and Kearns is about eight miles east of Corsicana on Highway 31, so it's right there. Uh, Watson's father was on the, uh, I think, the board of trustees at, uh, uh, at Navarro College in Corsicana for a, a long, long time. So the, the Watson name in, in the Corsicana community is very is ingrained and he's a popular guy in the community and he's well liked and I, and I think it's it's really a perfect fit and for coach Watson whose career has taken him I mean we, we think of him as a South Lake Carroll guy but he's really been all over the state um, his career kind of comes full circle where he's this is probably going to be his last coaching job and it actually comes in and you know at the place where mainly it all got started for him. Uh, let's go from over to Parker County now, and, and uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, some an intriguing move in Alito, the defending 5A Division II state champions, um, kind of like DeSoto, will have a, a once-in-future coach as well, uh, as, as Tim Buchanan moves from the AD role back into the head coaching spot, and Steve Wood uh, is now the head coach, uh, or now going to move from head coach to AD. Um you know that this is obviously an intriguing move that that these that these um, guys came came up with and, and put together. Uh, it's still got to get passed by the board, which we anticipate uh, will happen. Do you have any insight as to how this came down? Was this just a matter of uh, Tim Buchanan just having that itch again? Well, Coach Buchanan, uh, you know, I've talked to him several times over the past few years, and, and you know, being an administrator was not for him. He he is not the kind of guy who wants to. to to sign over soda contracts and concession stand deals and have to deal with a, no offense, but seventh grade C team volleyball and, and those kinds of things. This is not his, his thing. He enjoys coaching, coaching football and being out on the field. And, I, and there's no doubt he missed it. He missed it a lot. And, you know, I think when jobs have come open in the past couple of years, he, he sniffed around at him and took a look at him and saw, 
And uh, I think he decided after the, after this football season that he just didn't want to be the AD anymore. And then he was going to, he was going to retire and, and go work for a turf company uh, and sell artificial turf because he just did not want to be the athletic director anymore. Well, when that happened, um, obviously an athletic director position opened up and Buchanan had recommended uh, if anybody was going to replace him, he thought coach Wood would be the best candidate for him. And, Coach Wood was was open to it, and I think knowing Coach Wood and knowing Coach Buchanan, I think Coach Wood, his personality is a little more suited. I think I think he'll he'll he won't dislike the role of athletic director quite as much. And Coach Wood actually actually older than Coach Buchanan, so I think he may have felt like it was time. The grind of the season may have just you know warmed down a little bit too much after this year. So I think it was a good fit for him. But when that happened, Buchanan left the door open and said, hey, you know, I'm not done coaching. So if you guys are interested in having me coach the team again next year, um, I'm all for it. And so that's kind of how, how it all came down, and, and Alito went, went in that direction. So um, I don't anticipate much change in Alito. I think they're going to be really good again next year. I'm, I'm breaking some news there. Um, they're going to be okay next year, and they obviously added to the added to that today with the Monterran Parks moving back from All Saints. So, I mean, they're just going to they're going to be a really good team, and, and Buchanan's going to keep that train going. And it's, it's ironic that he gets to come back uh, to what he built. So, um, it's it's a good fit, and I think Buchanan he had the itch still. He wanted to coach and, and didn't want you know. Didn't want to just uh, retire right off into the sunset quite yet. And, of course, you're, you're tracking all the coaching changes at TexasFootball.com. There's a ton of open jobs uh, still out there, and, and that number is only growing uh, by the day. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested this week, are, is there one or two jobs uh, that you, you've got your eye on, you've got your ear to the ground, uh, in, anticipating some movement there? Yeah, well, I actually just, just broke some news just now. I just tweeted it out. Uh, Center has hired uh, Bell's head coach, Scott Ponder. Hmm. Uh, to be their next head football coach. Ponder is a native of Tenaha. Um, I think he actually went to school with Randy Jackson, which is, boy, can you imagine a, a classroom with Ponder and Randy Jackson in it? Um, but uh, he uh, he just took the center job, so he's getting getting back closer to home. Uh, so that, that just opened up. Uh, Athens is going to be making their hire uh, Thursday at 5 o'clock. It's a really interesting job because I, I talked about this on Twitter. They're going to a four-day school week next year. So that's an intriguing job. I, I anticipate a uh, offensive coordinator from the Metroplex with a familiar last name to be getting that job. Um, that that will be happening Thursday. Godley is an inter- and Godley's interviewing some candidates this week, and I'm really interested to see who gets the Godley job. Um, they really uh, have brought in some big names for a job that you wouldn't think of, but but there's a lot of growth planned in Godley um, with the tollway coming through there, and, and I think that people think that's kind of a hidden gem. And then uh, McKinney Boyd began their interviews uh, yesterday. Um, I know they had a prominent West Texas coach in there. They're interviewing a couple of assistants, and they've got a a head coach who's got a state title pedigree, I think, uh, interested in that job as well. So McKinney Boyd um, should be moving along pretty quick. Those are kind of the main jobs in the Metroplex. I'm really interested to see uh, if there's any more movement in Houston. It's been a little – it's been quiet. After last year's crazy offseason in Houston, it's been quiet so far. But I think we might start seeing some movement, especially down in Brazosport. Um, Brazosport ISD just hired uh, former Lamarck coach Alan Waddell um, as their new athletic director. And so now he's got the job of hiring head coaches at both Brazoswood and Brazosport uh, in the coming weeks. He is Matt Stepp. He's the Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider. Follow him on Twitter. I know you already are, but Matt underscore Stepp817. Stepp, appreciate your time and your insights. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. 
There he goes, Matt Stepp, Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Insider, giving us uh, as much as he can uh, as far as uh, these things. He's like, even I, like everyone, like every once in a while, we will understand. Stepp will tell us what the what he's alluding to. Yeah. But there are others that he won't. Yeah. And so we're in that same boat when he does the step tease. <laughs> And he's like, oh, well, it's a DFW offensive coordinator with a familiar name. I'm like, okay, who is that? familiar name? Yeah, it could be. Uh, but in any case, uh, appreciate him hopping on and getting uh, the latest Texas high school football scuttlebutt from around the state. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Woo-wee. Um, Woo-wee indeed. Well said. Yeah. Uh, Tony Blaylock says, Tepper looks like a 16-year-old trying to grow facial hair to impress a female 16-year-old with the fact that he can grow facial hair. <laughs> Tough but fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, oh, well, William Boyles gave us a shout. He said, we're the only thing keeping his uh, his uh, Texas high school football fever dream at bay right now, which uh, that's that's all we're doing too. It's like just trying to stay – in the game while not collapsing upon ourselves like dying stars. Right. We're happy to do it with you guys. Speaking of which, uh, Miss Terry Adams, former uh, former and probably future host of Texas Football Today, if we're being honest, uh, says, uh, legit freaking out over here that you guys are actually watching, reviewing Friday Night Lights. Only two or three people in my life can understand the enormity of this situation for me. And that's all well and good. And I do, but I do want to temper some expectations here because if you're expecting us to like this show, mm-hmm. hold on to hold, hold just hold on. Mm-hmm. Because here's what I'll say after <laughs> watching the first ten episodes: I have lots of thoughts, and I think we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about it. Yeah. But this ain't my kind of show. Mm-hmm. I am not interested in the melodrama of all of this. Mm-hmm. I already there's at least there are we. They I are characters. They are fake characters in a fake show. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Right. But I am ready to punt Jason Street and his girlfriend to the moon <laughs> with their pouting and their melodrama uh, yeah. every I won't. freaking episode. There, this is, I don't this care is, what they've been be, through. This is going to be kind of a struggle for us when we get to. Well, we're talking about it tomorrow. Then we're you know airing it on Friday. We got. We have to, especially me and Max, and you know Greg too. We have to take away our writers' room. Yes. Like like oh. expectations. This cannot be like. Like a, we're, we can't be. Is, we can't be destroying scripts and like you not, know, trying. We're we trying will, to. It's just it, it's it's self defeating. Right. Right. It, it'll we're take trying three to see, hours. To we're do trying to read. see how close what what the show gets right, what the show gets wrong about actual high school football and things right. like that. And so we can't be too critical. We can't go with our New York Times critic hat. And start no. like <laughs> I've yeah I've had to there have been times where I've like audibly groaned at the screen yeah. that I I can't write that down because yeah. then that's only going because that's not the purpose of this exercise no. right the purpose of this exercise is to judge the reality based on our stance as Texas high school football experts so um, yeah I, I I don't know I'm there's things there are things that I like about this show I want to be clear. But don't expect us to come in and, and say that this is the greatest show ever because that ain't happening. Mm. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, I'm excited. There's a lot of we're gonna have a lot of fun. With I'm, it. I'm having are. fun watching it. But if I will you say, I'm are having fun watching the show, I, we are having a lot of fun watching it, and we're gonna do a lot of myth busting yeah. and 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 we'll talk a lot about what they get right about Texas high school football and some of the things that happen behind the scenes and whether it's accurate or not. All that stuff. We're gonna have fun with that. But if you are one of those people who this show is near and dear to your heart and you just love these characters mm-hmm. and they mean so much to you, 
it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to end well for you. It's probably not going to end well for us. Yeah, I've got to tell you, um, there's a couple of characters that I understand are beloved. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to punt to the moon. Yeah. I I got nothing. Here's what, here's what my wife – my wife watched the show and loves it, right? Mm-hmm. And here's what she said she knew I would agree with. And she's right. And I think this is the only prevailing thing that everyone can agree on. Mm-hmm is that Coach Taylor and his wife are relationship goals, right? <laughs> like, every interaction yeah. they have, you're like, they got it figured out. Right. Like, yeah. this is what you want. And I would tend to agree. So far, through 10 episodes, mm-hmm. that is, like, as far as the not football stuff goes, mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board with that. Mm-hmm. I suspect it won't change. Right. It's not a hard dynamic to write, and right. it looks mm-hmm. like it's fun. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of it, though. I'm going to be honest. Like, as far as personalities and everything... Let's save this. Let's table. Well, it. But, but this is stuff we're not going to talk about in the show. I, right, we, right. We, we really, we really aren't going to talk about, like, I'm here for the a few moments when Tim Riggins makes a wise-ass comment that makes me laugh. Right. And yeah, literally, that, that's, that literally kind of, yeah. everything else about Tim Riggins is annoying right. and melodramatic and moody, yeah. just like all the other crap of most of the characters. And this is stuff we're just not going to talk about on the show because it's about what you prefer in a show, and it ain't this. Sure. So sure. it's I will sh- say it's fun to see Jesse Plemons not as a uh, sociopathic drug dealer as I know him from Breaking Bad, <laughs> but um, as Todd, yeah. uh, Todd yeah. the drug dealer. But uh, and he's I will say his character oh, yeah. is probably yeah. my favorite so far. Uh, Landry's we, probably my favorite character so far, just because yeah he's just making a mockery. Yeah, of right. I mean he's he's pretty funny. <laughs> so, Our man, my man Elvin Price out in East Texas says, "When is this show on? We're gonna do this Friday, guys. We're taping the, recording tomorrow. We're doing seven of them total." The first one is tomorrow, or we're going to tape it tomorrow, and we're going to air it on Friday. It'll be here on TF Today yeah. at noon. It'll be in place of this show, um, and then we'll be in the comments talking with y'all. Um, yeah, I don't know. The uh, Ruben Rio says, punt to the moon should be the new TFT t-shirt. Uh, I'm okay with that hashtag, punt to the moon. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's, that's going to do it for that's us. It. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TextFootball.com. For Max Thompson and Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tupper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.